Welcome to the Spark to Your Success. My name is TJ Dow and I believe we all have a bright spark inside. When you find yours and light it up, not only do you light up inside and that feels amazing, but you light up the world around you, allowing other people to feel that amazing too. What a great gift to give not just to yourself, but to the world around you. The Spark to Your Success podcast is designed to bring you a little inspiration, a little bit of insight and some positivity to your day. So welcome to this episode for young people and the younger heart. Now then, last week we talked about breathing. I gave you some breathing exercises to do. <laughs> How did you enjoy them? Did you do the balloon and belly breathing exercise and let it off around the room did, did you do that I hope you made the noises with it did you do this I wanted to call it this the snot breathing exercise and a nostril breathing exercise that came with a snot warning I did warn you but it was good for fun wasn't it and if you did it Tell me you did not feel energised after that. It really is brilliant for de-stressing and re-energising. And if you have no clue what I'm talking about, then you have to go back to the last episode. Have a listen and play along with it at the same time too. That's my request for today. So today I am very excited. I promised at the end of last episode that I had an interview for you to listen to this week. I do indeed. And that interview is with a young man, uh, 19 years old, who is now a songwriter and rap artist and getting his music out there, uh, having recording contracts, etc. But he did face a lot of challenges in his younger life. And those challenges changed his life. And he has the Nova superpower which he calls ADHD. It is my pleasure to let this young man share his story with you. So let me introduce you to Jay Grange. Yeah, it's great to be here too. I'm Jay Grange. I'm a songwriter and a rap artist. I'm 19 years old, so still quite young, of course. And basically, yeah, I've just gone through some challenges in my life up until now. Luckily, who I am now isn't that person that I was a few years ago. So I have overcome that. But I was actually diagnosed with ADHD. I'm sure many of you have heard of it before in around 2017. It was a turning point in my life, really. Although it's not that good to be labelled with something, I think it's my superpower, you know, and it's made me who I am now. And, yeah, so basically at the moment what I'm doing is, well, COVID disrupted that, but what I was (laughs) around to pupil referral units and to um, schools to talk about my experiences, to talk about positive mental well-being, and to tell people that actually, to tell the young students that, you know what there's always a way around everything and it's about focus on the positives instead of the negatives I've had great feedback from the presentations that I've been doing especially in the pupil referral units I've had kids come up to me and tell me how much they can relate to me and how inspirational it is to know that I'm a musician now and yeah aside from that I'm working on a few quite big things at the moment that COVID sort of overshadowing I'm in a a project for the ADHD foundation which gets around 40 million media hits I've heard from um, the guy who runs it things are sort of coming together now 
compared to where I was, which I'm sure I'll come onto a little bit later in the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing some great things. And yeah, there's a lot of things out there as well that I believe need changing. And I think people like me are the voice for it, are the change makers that can drive this. And I would completely agree. So we, you and I had a little conversation last week, was it now? Time flies last week. And, uh, you know, people would look at you today, Jay, if they saw you, if they saw your music videos or interviews that you did for the BBC, etc. And they would see this confident young man going places, loving life, big dreams, big goals. And they would be like, wow, wish I was like that. What I love about your message is, of course, you can be like that. That isn't how you've always been. So (laughs) take us back in time a little bit. I know you're only 19. There's not very far you can go back, but a lot has happened in that space of time, hasn't it? So take us back to, you know, what happened, like school days and things that did knock your confidence. And who were you back then compared to the amazingness that you are now? Well, like I said, I was diagnosed with ADHD, but that that isn't where it all started. I mean, it started years before the diagnosis. Years of, I mean, if I spoke, I'd be here till tonight um, about everything that's happened. So the basics really are, I had a really challenging education, a really challenging teenage years. From about year seven onwards, I mean, it was just constant pain in school, really, feeling misunderstood, feeling what's the what's the right word to use not left out but feeling different to everybody else feeling like I haven't got a voice feeling like my talents aren't being sort of shown because I'm stuck in this school environment which I'm not a fan of and doesn't suit me just basically in a nutshell it was just exclusion after exclusion trouble outside of school getting in with the wrong people you know ending up in court with some things that I was doing outside of school and it's one of those things where you think, well, my life's going either two ways. I could be another statistic of the horrible stigmas around ADHD and stuff like that. I could be in prison, excluded from school, you know, the normal standard rubbish that people assume. Or I could use my ADHD as a superpower and actually do something and think, actually, you're going down the wrong path here. You really need to sort of pattern up. You need to straighten up and actually realise that you've got great potential and, you know, there's a lot you could do. So, yeah, I mean, feeling suicidal as well because of all the stuff that was going on, feeling like I've got no hope. I went to a train bridge and tried to commit, really. A guy that had just got out of prison himself, who most people look down upon and say, ah, oh, look at him, you know, he's, he's not worth a place in our society, actually saved me from doing something bad. And it's just the constant feeling like, why me sort of thing, without playing the victim, but why me? Why is it me that this is happening to you know why is there thousands of people in this school and there might just be like five six seven people always in the same detentions and isolation you know and it's just isolation is what I was into at school what I was put into at school but you know isolation was what I was feeling in my head as well it was just a cycle of isolation depression and that made me who I am today although I went through lots of bad stages like I said before it made me actually realize you've got a lot of potential to use it and that's what I say to anybody else if there's any young people listening to this which I'm sure there is use your potential Um, don't think about the negatives about yourself or the things you maybe can't do or people teachers or people told you you can't do I wanted to ask you about that because I want to come back to the the man on the bridge as well but I want to go back a little bit before that because your experience at school 
is very typical for a large number of young people who are struggling. When we had a conversation, just some of the things that the teachers said to you or how they treated you. And we talked about how that made you feel and the impact of that. So just touch on that a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, it makes my blood boil when talk about some of the stuff that teachers have said to me in the past but it's a big thing it is a big thing because it makes you feel how I felt a lot of the time they was one of the biggest problems in a way um stuff like just people would come sit next to me while I'm working and stuff I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole stuff like that to me people saying I've got Tourette's if I swear once not only that offensive to people with Tourette's but it's offensive to me because Tourette's is who makes people who they are you know that's another thing where society might think well they're different but actually it makes them who they are stuff like you're not going to get your GCSEs you're not going to be nothing you'll end up in prison you know just just all the normal niggly little sort of comments you know like little digs little posts that looking back now and I don't condone it but I wish I had have stood up a bit more I mean I did I was quite vocal but now thinking back I can't believe that I let them actually get away with it and try and actually affect my mental state um, and what you said before um, TJ which is very good point is yeah neurodiverse people especially always fall through the system in education and it's not a case of they might it's a case of they do people that are neurodiverse 99 times out of 100 i'm pretty sure fall through the system in some way or another even if they don't get excluded they might feel isolated you know so i think teachers and schools need to do more to find the strengths of people that are neurodiverse and suffering from say bad experiences in their life you know and actually instead of making them feel like that of embrace it and say no I'm not suffering with this and I'm not this I'm this I'm creative this is my strength because what I found if you tell people something so much in life they actually then believe it you know so if people keep telling you something so much you then believe it so yeah so in regards to that it was a big big thing for me what the teachers said and uncalled for as well Education is interesting to me. It definitely needs hauling into the 21st century. <laughs> and I appreciate there's a lot of pressure on teachers. And it breaks my heart that we do have some really amazing teachers that get disillusioned and then leave the education system. Yes. And often we're left with either teachers that are stressed or disillusioned yeah. or they're there because they enjoy teaching, but they're teaching in their way of teaching if you look at learning preference styles you have people like you that are probably very visual in their learning style you know some people that are very auditory they like to talk things through and have a discussion and a debate and ask questions other people are very kinesthetic and they like to be in the activity of the doing to learn and then you've got the people that are very analytical and they need the data and the research and the structure you know if somebody is teaching in a way that you don't learn then of course you're going to disconnect. Yeah. And I find it heartbreaking that I work with so many young people who they've been made wrong for not paying attention in class, but it's because they've switched off because they end up learning in a way that they're being taught. And, yeah. uh, so I think you know part of our challenge with our neurodiverse young people is they fall into those different learning styles and are not being embraced within the classroom environment so make a really great point and it's a great point that you said there as well is regarding teachers the best teachers the teachers that actually and there is loads of them don't get me wrong I mean I don't normally say good stuff about teachers because of my past experiences but there is some brilliant teachers out there and like you said about 
all the best teachers that I like left. All the ones that were my favourites, the guys that were real normal guys, normal women that were just there to help me were saying, one teacher said to me once, I know I, I keep talking to you about all the bad things teacher said, but let's switch it for one second and tell you something. There's the business teacher, Mr. Ambrose, who I actually got in touch with the other week on LinkedIn. We had a good conversation. Nice. He said to me, so he actually got, he pretty much got me by sort of, not physically, but sort of like come right close to me and said, you're going to be saying when you get older, you're going to be an entrepreneur or you're going to make saying your life. And sort of, you know, there could be teachers look at that and go, well, you shouldn't be saying that to a kid, you know what I mean? And that, but he made me feel so confident about myself and made me feel perfect. I went out of that classroom buzzing, like yeah. literally because I thought, do you know what? I like this guy. This guy is a proper dude. You know, he's a geezer. He's, he's, he's one of them people that you can trust and he can make you into who you want to be because he had that quality about him. And I come out and for the rest of that day, even with teachers I didn't like, I was behaving. I was, it's, it's the knock on effect. What teachers don't realise a lot of the time is if you say one good thing to a student who's having a bad day, right, that will probably last with them for the rest of the day even the rest of the school week because I remember times where I'd just come out of lesson been absolutely sort of slaughtered teachers trying to accuse me of things and I thought I can't be bothered with this so I'm just going to muck around the rest of the day so it's a massive point what you said it's 100% and in regards to the teachers where you said about they're there but they're learning is sort of like a system that's not it's corrupt really it's like bringing a football manager into a football team saying well here's the team but you can't make any transfers you want to do you can't play the formations you want to do you're just there you're managing these players but you're not going to do it your way you know some of the best people out there like Ferguson for Man United he had his way of playing and that's why they were so successful if he had to come in and just listen to someone saying well you've got to play like this they wouldn't have had the success so that's the way I would sort of analyze that with neurodiverse people in school and yeah. teachable. I think that's a great comparison that really makes a lot of sense and I would love to if you don't already because you might already I would love for you to include when you go and speak to the pupil referral units or the schools or when you get the platform just to mention that bit about that one teacher that said that thing to you and how it made you feel so different because uh, other teachers that are listening may get a, a different message to give to their kids. 100% and in regards to neurodiversity in schools I reckon there should be more neurodiverse role models in schools you know because you think like if someone empowers someone you think say like Kamala Harris has just come in for vice president in the United States right this is a different example but if you look at her and you're say a woman or saying you want to you think like look at her opportunity she's got you know it empowers people you know so imagine having a neurodiverse teacher in your school where you can look at them and go wow you can really relate to me and you know you can really learn from me and I can learn from them you know and if it's just too much of a system where it's just people that don't understand that think they do just by saying it's okay you'll be okay do this do that but it's a bigger thing than that and it takes more people like myself coming into school in PRU people like you and other people to actually make a change and get that environment where there's neurodiverse people mixing with neurodiverse people instead of just people that are trained to say something or to do this to do that yeah and the challenge is when we label people then we label them we judge them we put them in a box don't need to understand you because now I know what you are I've labeled you that's not helpful because it's not usually in a positive way and I know we were discussing about your superpower I love that you're calling it that because it so so is these things are gifts being neurodiverse 
isn't a disability, it's a superpower. And yet sometimes other people don't look at it like that. They stick on a label and then that's it. You're judged and you're put down and you don't fit in. So to be able to influence the a change in perspective is, is wonderful. Definitely, yeah. And it is overlooked a lot of the time, neurodiversity, and, and it is a superpower, which there should be more people in schools, the school environment, and in general, saying about all the, the successful people with neurodiverse conditions. And I saw something on LinkedIn the other day about Richard Branson. He did a presentation to a school, and there was this dyslexic kid, a kid who's dyslexic. And I know Richard Branson has suffered from that as well, dyslexia. And the concentration on all of the classes' face was unbelievable. I did not see an eye move. Richard Branson was talking and everyone was staring, like literally staring at him. And that's what it takes. It's like I've been told when I come into school how focused the... Because I, th I think as well, people of all sort of, not even people that aren't even neurodiverse, they like him for something new, not just the same stuff in schools. They want something different. And that again is why I think a lot of neurodiverse people struggle in school because we want to be creative. Yes. And school is the same sort of maths, English, what do you want to do, geography or history? And, you know, and it's the same old thing. Like, no, we want to do something. We want to learn about business. And I think personally in schools, resilience should be taught. A lot more about mental health should be taught, but not all the sort of victimised mental health, like one in hundred people, blah, 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 this, that. It should be positive. And it's a massive thing. And it is it's frustrating for people like myself that have only just been through it a few years ago and understand that there's people just under my age that are, say, 16, 17, even younger. I mean, I saw, and it brought it to my eye the other day in the news about where my nan and granddad live in East London, in Wolven Forest, there was a 12 year old who took his life a few days ago. And it sent a shiver down my spine when I read it because 12, a lot of people didn't even know about suicide when they was 12. That's 12 years old, you know. You've got to think it's three years above single figures of your age. He was nine, then 10, then, you know, it's just, it's so young and it will be, it will be nine year old soon. This is the way it's going and it needs to be stopped. And with the normal stigmas around it and obviously COVID isn't helping and all, and it's getting younger and younger. And the sad statistic is a lot of people that suffer from mental health are overlooked until it's too late. People come out now and say, poor thing, he should have got help. Yeah, well, he should have, but it's a thing of the past now. It, it needs to be done when people are before rock bottom too much. It's before, it's when you're at rock bottom instead of you're here, you can either go here or here. You know? And it's kind of like, our listeners can't see it, but you can see it on the video with me. Need <laughs> to catch it here, not here. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So, picture on my flip chart in the background, you can see what is she talking about? Should be here instead of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant chart. Just as life happens and you're teetering on the edge, that's when you need to be caught rather than you take a tumble and hit rock bottom. And so I agree. And then it upsets me when I hear people say, we reached out for help from the normal services and we got told, I'm sorry, you're not bad enough yet. Yeah. What? what? Come back when you're what, suicidal? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So I, we were on the same wavelength there. So talking about being suicidal, that's a great segue back to the bridge, Jay. Come back to the bridge. You were feeling so bit suicidal. Tell us the story about the man that you met because you kind of touched on it, but didn't finish it. 
it was sort of just after months of just getting things building up, building up, parents not believing me, family not understanding me, teachers not understanding me, everyone not understanding me. And it come a point where it was breaking point, really. It was like, it's either make or break. It just things had gone wrong. I'd been in arguments with my parents, school excluded, isolation at lunchtime, break time. I felt like I couldn't really trust anybody or have anyone around me. So I just thought, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to end it all because... I can't deal with this anymore. It's tough now. I've battled for years, you know, and it's just come a point where it's been too long. But like I said, I went to the bridge. I was I had all intentions of. It's the first time that ever I've actually actually had intention. I, like I'd always thought to her, but I've never done it, you know, or never gone near to doing it. But this time was the first time I actually I was going to do it. You know, there wasn't no one stopping me. But I say that and a guy did stop me, like I touched on before. And last week when we spoke, I touched on a bit further, but he was scruffy, he, he was on drugs, he was homeless. And you think like most people, like I said before, look upon him and just say, well, you know, scumbag without being nasty. That's what people would say. This is the truth. And he said to me, he said, like, I've just got out of prison. I've had all these, he was telling me about things that happened in his life and and I thought to myself, no, I was really brave and resilient and what I was going through was horrific. He pretty much saved me by just what he was saying. Like, I've felt like you before. This has happened. This happened. And, you know, and it's, and if I knew who he was today, I'd say how much he sort of changed my life because that was breaking point. And there's plenty of times where things were going wrong and I'd nearly do something but never actually get to do it. If I hadn't have done it then, which I was planning to, it would have been a week or two later. But he, he saved me for actually thinking about it for a while. Yeah, but what I say to people is suicide is one of those things where you hear people say horrible things like cowards move, you know, cowardly. And what I say to that is that garbage because no one in their right mind is going to say, you know, I want to get, I want to end life today, you know. It's something, it's things that build up loads of things that happen. And suicide is a thing that you should never think about, of course. It's horrible, but it's one of those things where you don't know how people are feeling, so you can't comment on it. You can't say, well, his life ain't that bad. Or like people would probably look at me and go like, I like to say like decent looking fella, like I've got a good family around me and, you know, do my music. But it doesn't work like that. You've got billionaires who are depressed and you've got people who are homeless that are loving life, you know, and it's just the way it is. So it's a, it's a big subject. People always say to me, you're so open about it, but you have to be open about it in a way because otherwise people won't know the real you. And actually people think, well, it weren't too bad just getting excluded from school. A lot of people face that, you know, but it's all the things that built up from that. It's a tough subject to talk about, but it's something that I'm always willing to do. And because there's a lot of people out there that feel that way, unfortunately, and it's about stopping that. Yeah, I agree. So thank goodness the homeless guy in the bridge changed your mind and changed your life, saved your life. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't be able to give your gift of your be your openness is brilliant because that is your gift that will serve not just you for the rest of your journey, but a lot of young people as well. So your love is your music and the work that you're doing and will continue to do a little bit more easier after this pandemic with schools and with organisations to raise awareness around neurodiversity and struggles and things. But what else is in your future, Jay? What are your big dreams? I've got quite a few 
I mean, like, I'm a guy with big dreams. I've got plenty. At the moment, I'm working on a song with a, a big gospel choir. They've been to Nelson Mandela when he come over to London. They've been to the Queen's birthday, sung there. They're a really big gospel choir that I'm working with at the moment. I just literally had a phone call before I was speaking to you with him about a song we're doing around mental health and neurodiversity. So that's one thing, um, a dream where we're hoping to get a major label on board to promote this song and that. So that's the most recent dream, which could be in a few months, hopefully, if it all goes to plan. But I've got many dreams. I want to create my own business for people that are neurodiverse. I've had lots of ideas about that at the moment that I've been writing down. My dream is obviously it will never happen because it's not beyond my control. But I would like a massive change forever with neurodiversity. That's my biggest dream, you know. But that won't happen without lots of change, lots of advocation. And it's a, it's a long way off. But I've got plenty of dreams. My ultimate goal for life is wife, kids, do my music, tour with my music. If music don't go down that route with my charity work, with my advocating by making going around the world, going around America, like how you said you've done before, sort of going to America. I'm a big fan of America. There's a lot of people I've been speaking to out there that are colleges and psychiatrists over there and stuff like that. So yeah, I've got I've got lots of things that I'm working on at the moment that maybe aren't too far away from being a reality. And a lot of life left to live all those things in, thank goodness. So if you could give one top piece of advice to any young people that are struggling right now at school what would that one piece of advice be to them to get them through do you know what it'd be just focus just you know there's always going to be distractions that you might be going through a tough time but it's just always about focusing and realizing there's light at the end of the tunnel and I know that's a cliche I know that's a saying that many people use but there is there's always light at the end of the tunnel and there'll always be someone there to understand you I was going to say the advice that I'd give to myself but I don't think that would be right to uh, say to uh, um, a lot of other young people my advice to myself would be do it all again I don't care what. <laughs> yes but I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that to all the young people because I know I don't know their circumstances and yeah. obviously but to young people just conquer the world embrace who you are you are the same as everybody else everyone's equal you've got lots of opportunities although it might not seem like it sometimes and yeah just you know keep your head on focus and just be whatever you want to be have ambitions and goals and you will always conquer them ambitions and goals if you stick to them and you work hard and you know you work hard you then play hard you know you have a good life now I think to myself you know what there's teachers that probably said to me well you'll be this you won't be anything and I think well have these teachers been on BBC News before have these teachers doing what I'm doing now I mean probably will these teachers even get paid as much as I probably will in the future with my music and with I know that's nothing in the scheme of things but you know it's it's still about success it's all about focusing for the future and not the present and the past. Wise words, Jay Grange, wise words. So if people want to connect with you, how can they get in touch? Because I would love to be able to be, let our listeners know how to do that, be they young people, or maybe somebody else wants to do an interview with you on BBC News, who knows what might come from it. So tell us how we can connect with you. My website is jgrangeofficial.com. I'm on LinkedIn, jgrange, just the letter J. My Instagram is jgrangeofficial. It isn't on right now, but it will be soon. And obviously you can find my music on YouTube and Spotify, which I come under jgrange. Everything's jgrange. Yeah, so J, as in just the letter J, not J-A-Y, yes. 
So it's Jay talking to TJ. Yeah. Part to your he, it's not just TJ, but I bet that's quite short for you. I bet a lot of people just put TJ in emails they and stuff. Do. <laughs> they do. Jay, it has been an absolute pleasure. I know that our listeners have really thoroughly enjoyed hearing your story and hearing your success out of it. And we'll be excitedly watching your journey as it unfolds. So we'll have you back, come back in the future and tell us the bits in between now and then. That would be amazing. Let me wish you every single success. And I know that you and I will talk again. And uh, thank you so much for sharing and being so open on our podcast today. Thanks for letting me talk about my past. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure the journey will end now. If there's anyone out there that needs help or especially younger people, but even older people that might be listening, I'm sure you've got a big fan base, TJ. I'm sure of all ages, you know, listening to your podcast. So anyone that's going through a tough time, then yeah, I'm always here. So thank you, huge thank you to Jay for sharing his story and his new passion of uh, songwriting and being a rap artist and doing the work that he's doing with mental health challenges with young people who also have a number of superpowers. It's great to hear from somebody who has lived through those challenges and come out the other side and has a whole great big wonderful life ahead of them and now realises that so whoever the homeless man on the bridge was, big, huge thank you for literally turning Jay's life around into what it is now and what it's going to become. So you have been listening to me, TJ Dow, on this The Spark to Your Success podcast. Until next time, when I have another interview for you, just throw that little seed in there. Until next time, stay amazing and use your superpowers to influence the world around you. Bye for now.